speaking the truth to the state capitol. This is Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Rickens, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, here we go, July 28th. It's a Thursday. Uh, as we used to say on any operation in SEAL Team, it's uh, 78 and sunny out. <laughs> it's always 78 and sunny when you're in San Diego, California, or anywhere else in the world. Uh, no, I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm going to tell you here, folks. It's 82 and sunny. It's a darn nice day out there. Um, and we're here at Drive Time Lincoln. I am Jack Riggins, host Johnny Cadillac's producing the show. Don't forget to be on the lookout for his new podcast coming out, Caddy Chat Talk. Wrestling Talk. I get it? Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. That's a tongue twister. A little bit. All right. uh, We're going to get right into it. Um, Well, I guess I should hit some national stuff real quick. Um, I said this earlier. I predicted it months ago. Yes, folks, we're in a recession. Okay? So don't let the people that currently are in charge of Washington, D.C., change the definition of recession like they change the definition of woman or they change the definition of a vaccine you know shot to vaccine woman to birthing people um yada 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 recession transitory they like to do that word with inflation we're in a recession that stinks that's not good um bud Seinhorst was on here on tuesday from leba we were talking about some of the impacts of local business owners um and i think again it's just rolling down and hopefully washington dc and our leaders will accept reality and begin making decisions as our government to help end the insanity that's there and just remember the border's not a crisis either so i mean there's another play on words for you all right, well, there we go. We're in a recession. Welcome to that, America. Good times. Um, I'm excited today because we've got a long-form interview with any GOP chair. Decently new, week two and a half, Eric Underwood. And there's been a lot of questions around the state. And after about mm, two and a half weeks um, and several other interviews, I've been able to get more questions from just people on the street, both Republican and Democrat, that are really interested in, in what happened in the NEGOP. So, Chairman Underwood, welcome to Drive Time Lincoln. Hey, Jack. Good right to be here. Appreciate it. Uh, when you last were here, you were the chairman of the Lancaster County Republican Party, and now you are the chair of the NEGOP, which is the state Republican Party. Yeah, this has uh, definitely been a whirlwind uh, last couple of months. Um you know, the opportunity has presented itself to continue growing the culture, building the culture that we started in Lancaster. And what really became the, the foundation for this change, for this uh, uh, cultural move forward, is reaching out and connecting to all of, all of Nebraska. Um, whether it's congressional, we'd like to break it up into congressional districts, CD2, CD1, CD3. Enough time was spent going, is this a culture that we are looking for at the state level that can match what the county parties are doing? Mm -hmm. Relationship building. Actually connecting to voters, volunteers, and built on something outside of just relational politics. You know, uh, I'm I'm this type of Republican. I'm that type of Republican. uh, Only focused on a candidate. So the level of engagement that you've seen, not only in Lancaster County, the increase in the primary that we've talked about, the amount of people that showed up to the county convention... You're seeing this across Nebraska, 
And so that support, that upswell, is really the the foundation of why a cultural change was ready and primed here in Nebraska at the state party. And we'll get we'll get to it. You know, I I kind of want to do a little bit of the past, then kind of how and and where you're at today, and then you know moving for, forward if you don't mind. The one thing a lot of Nebraskans ask me, and and certainly you've been as a Lancaster County Chair really paying attention to Lancaster County. And then as you took that position, you're really getting access to the state as well. Because a lot of conservatives were asking, you know, kind of how did you increase voter turnout? And how did you get a neighborhood captain's program? You know, all of this happening prior below the level of the GOP. You know, that that one-on-one county-to-county communication. But what would you say were just some of the, I'm going to call them friction points, you know, that kind of led to people saying, you know, maybe we, we want to get a culture change and think about as the state GOP how we do business moving forward. You know, because people, not everybody understands what were some of the friction points, because to some people, they're like, conservatives are kicking butt across Nebraska, right? Why tweak the offense? Yeah, I think if you look at statewide races and, and uh, you know, some of the federal races that obviously are statewide voted on there, we look very red as a state there. But if you're taking a look at on a local level, um, there are over 700 Democrats that are in local elected positions, and Lancaster County is no different. Um, in fact, it's I would say it's the epitome of what's here. You've got roughly 100 elected officials in, in some capacity through Lancaster County, and really only 20 of them would be Republicans. That's so, like 80% Democrat here in Lancaster County. It is, and that's not really reflected of what the voter base is as well. Not only in the values, but also what's actually in the voter base of roughly 80,000 Republicans, 74,000 Democrats, 44,000 independents there. So if we're looking for representation, clearly in Lancaster County is almost the epitome of what we would see here. There is an opportunity for engagement that should have been occurring. The friction points really came to, I would say, to a head at our at our state convention, and I think majority of people understand that because part of the state's opportunity is to empower and and bring the resources down to the county level so that there can be a foundational ground up approach. That that is an opportunity that's out there. It doesn't necessarily mean that was the model that was there before. Okay, talking about the past. That probably wasn't the model that was done before. But you have an opportunity now with so many people engaged. Uh, because of national mm-hmm. recession and and school boards and all that sort well, of con- we just say Joe Biden on this show. It's probably easier <laughs> to do that from that construct yeah, on Biden done. or Baird. Yep, that yeah. the the triple B is out of this. That that concept brings down so much more engagement, and those people are either at a new stage in politics, a new stage in party formation, or if you're looking out to the, the county level out through the West, the relationships were built over there. They, there's so many county parties that have grown in, in ways of being ready to move forward, but they do need some resources mm-hmm. to it. And also when that comes to it, when it comes to the convention, and there was the opportunity to say, let's bring everybody together and really move the party forward in, in unifying on our values, right. I don't think that was necessarily what was a uh, the way the past was. Mm-hmm. So when you started to have conversations about this locally, and it worked in Lancaster County, and now you amplify this statewide, you say, let's talk about our values, which we call platform bank blanks. Right. It really helps define what a Republican is. We're not just ambiguously saying that a Republican is a Second Amendment or it's Roe versus Wade, something like that, pro-life. We're actually talking about a plank, a platform of between 15 to 20 values. And if you start to unify on that, we found that many people say, all right, well, I fit within that mold. Yeah. 
So this is what became the friction point. Are we going to move the culture forward where we are going to develop and encourage all this engagement, or are we going to kind of hardline it at a legislative race and on up because those are the priorities? Yeah. And I most people believe that there is local races matter in their local lives, and they've been they've been just amplifying that message over and over again. And I think, you know, it's easy for, depending on your political affiliation or even thoughts if you're conservative, I think everybody wants to have, like, good guys and bad guys and, you know, good versus evil. When, in fact, when I hear you talk and when I saw, you know, what happened at the convention because I was there, you're talking about tweaking the way the Republican Party does business. And you're also talking about a lot of people, real or perceived, that wanted to have more input from the county level up, which when I look at it is about building bench strength. It's about reinforcing kind of your outside fortress walls in a conservative state from local school boards right on up the local county commissioners to local city mayors. Even though we dominate state and federal, I think that Lincoln is a good example where people around the state look and get fearful. Are the Democrats, have they found a plan to begin infiltrating? They look at national and they see what's happening with Democratic woke policies, liberal left agenda. And so I think that clearly because you got the votes, right, as part of the, the way the Constitution and the legal delegation happens, that the, the message was, yes, that's what the vast majority of conservatives want to do. That doesn't mean there were some conservatives that didn't want to do that. And I'll just go back and because I want to ask you about those folks as well because they're all part of the team. But there's something key that I always hear you say, maybe because I'm around you more than, than most, because a lot of people want to say it's a Trump movement. You already have said it's about platform values. And about what being a Republican is. And it's something I say on the show every time. The conservative movement has to be bigger than one person. Because that person can die tomorrow. Right? So it it's the people, those of us that identify with being a conservative Republican, that carry the party forward. And so in that same vein, it's bigger than, say, your current governor. It's bigger than your next governor. It's bigger than the next president of the United States, and you're trying to create a party culture that's about the values opposed to the personalities. Is that an accurate description? Yeah, it's 100% accurate. And, you know, it, it for the, the media type, it's probably be a much better story if we could say that there had to be some sort of backing, whether it's financial or, or sponsorship of this idea from somebody in the governor races that occurred there or from Trump there. I, I haven't gotten a phone call from, from Trump <laughs> yet. Uh, I don't have his, have his personal cell phone on, on my cell phone here. Um, well, it's about what you always say, modest Nebraskans. It is. That's the term that I started using because I, I think a lot of the cultural shift has to be in the way that we approach conversations and the terms that we use. The The term moderate's used a lot because it's describing somebody that, that's ability to be cross the aisle and all that sort of concept there. But it implies a political agenda. I don't think that most Nebraskans are moderate Nebraskans. I think if you say that somebody's moderate, that they have a political agenda. I think most Nebraskans are modest Nebraskans. They want to be devoid of politics. They'd like to go live their modest life. 
life in whatever jobs they're doing, having their kids go to school, retirement, veterans, whatever it is. And we're stuck in the position now that now that we're engaged and now that we're either more aware for whatever reason or we're just engaged because we're seeing it affect our lives, well, now we're going to have input on it. Uh-huh. And when you don't get that input, that's when people start to get a little bit more aggressive by nature, a little bit more passionate by nature. Yeah, it, it would be a better story to say that it was driven by something else. But I'll, I had a conversation today with several leaders from CD3, and they said the very same thing. It's not about a Trump rally. It's not about anybody coming to save us. Right. It's about taking extreme ownership of the local parties and saying, here's the formation, here's our constitution, that's the policies and the procedures to form correctly, and then let's attribute that to our platform values and move this party forward at the local level. And if you start to do that, you have this groundswell up of not only leaders in their party that can just create events and fundraisers, but you also get candidates out of it. You start to get, this was Lancaster, we had the hardest of time trying to fill all the roles. We didn't fill a role for LD46 leading up to March 1st there. We just couldn't find somebody in that district that was ready to step up to it. You know, what what the rationale for it is, probably because we just haven't prepared them whether it's because of apathy or just not having the resources, at this point, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. At this point, you have to move forward. And so if you create this foundation of the resources, of candidate plans, of campaign teams, you have that ready to go. Somebody who said, you know what? I feel now called to do this. And it's either a school board race or it's airport authority. Mayor, if there's anybody out there trying to run for mayor, we'd really like to have that opportunity with you. City council. I'm going to have some meetings with people tomorrow about that. Well, your exploratory committee, I know, has been doing a lot of work there. And I think this is the opportunity. I'm actually glad you know about that. Well, yeah, Jack, you talk about it. <laughs> I do. The, the, we've had conversations about it. We have. When you, I, put, when you put yourself in that position proactively, then you're going to get a result. Versus what well, has happened. And you're right. The, the, the thing that you're talking about the audience may not be getting is if you have that calling to even attempt to run for any office, any, at any level, it, it isn't any, it's not your thing. That's not how our system is designed that you're a career politician. And so you want to know that there is a group of knowledgeable, caring, and willing to help you navigate the process. And, you know, and again, uh, good success in Lancaster, and, and I'm sure we can talk a little bit about w- where the Lancaster County Party's going after this move. Uh, but I want to go back just a little bit, because not every Republican across the state maybe kind of sensed this or felt this friction or was notified. And so that led to... At times during the convention or even after, and I'm sure you've taken some calls, some people that are just asking, what the heck happened? You know, to those Republicans, right, to those people that kind of are on the fence about new leadership, you know, what is your message to them? You know, this year has an opportunity to do something that we haven't done in a long while. And whether that's because of the red wave, quote unquote, red wave, the amount of engagement that's out here. We can sit and continue to worry about what happened at the convention. We can hold on to the old wounds from the primary election, a very contentious primary. We can go beyond that. We can go, we can go back decades. I found Nebraskans, when it comes to politics, by the way, conservatives have like elephant memories, very long memories. It drives me nuts. Well, and, and you, you, I hear that. In 2002, <laughs> like, move let's move forward. Okay. Now, does that mean that you have to fully support a candidate? Does that mean you have to be so engaged in their campaign that, that, and donate money? No, that doesn't necessarily mean that. What it means is that you let go of what happened in the past and you look forward to what can potentially be the result out of this. In this 
election cycle, we have an opportunity to get to that 35th, 36th legislative uh, candidate and win these elections there, which means that most of the bills going through are going to be filibuster-proof. Then you go to the races down low. In Lancaster County, let's be specific here, in Lancaster County, there's the opportunity of having three out of five county commissioners. That swings that board. You go to the municipality races that happen in the spring here, and you have four city council races, which would make it four out of seven, and a mayor's race. Half of LPS and half of airport authority. If you want to make an impact, then do that this year. Don't let something like this convention be the thing that's going, well, it's not going to be that way. Because once I sit down and I can show the vision to people, they're really starting to see, oh, so you're going to take care of the state and the federal races, which has been a key part of the party anyway. And you're going to build those relations like all I've always done. And you're also going to support building the bench of the county parties, whenever capacity that they need. Douglas County, Sarpy County are very well built. Lancaster feels very well built. Mm-hmm. A lot of the parties to the to the west have great components to them, but there's other out there that need it. Right. And those are where you're going to also change the Board of Education. These components are out there this year. If you were planning on voting and helping this year in the Republican Party, do it. Be a part of that. Know that you are 100% supported in doing that in whatever capacity. That's the message I give to people because there is no longer, through the state party, those hurts, those wounds, the past, can be let go. If they're going to sling arrows, they're going to sling them at me. Mm -hmm. And I'm a neutral entity coming into this believing in something again, believing in people. Well, and you're believing in values and you're, you're preaching values and saying, hey, if you're Republican, if you're conservative, vote for the candidates that have those values. And nothing has changed just because of your new leadership, right? You know, over time, there will be tweaks, I'm sure, and we can talk about some of those. But in the end of the day, uh, what you're talking about is moving forward, right, and winning elections and electing Republicans not only this November, but well into the future and really shoring up this conservative state. 1,499.3-KLIN. You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, I mentioned this the other day. Uh, it's really interesting in the conservative circles uh, before we get back with uh, any GOP chairman, Eric Underwood, in the second segment um, is just the evolution of how conservatives have been fighting uh, politics, say, from the nation on down. Uh, versus Democrats, who Democrats constantly seem to be on the attack. Uh, if things aren't going right, you know, they protest all over the place. We know they make up terms. Um, and, and it always seems like conservatives are reactionary. I would say Donald Trump changed that a little bit, so to speak. And, you know, it's not a Donald Trump thing. It's just the way he did it. And I think that there's probably going to be more of that way as we roll into the future, not exclusively, but one of them would be, you know, really interesting, right? A city council member gets a DUR. She's charged with DUI, Tammy Ward, right? But then we come to find out everybody kind of laid off of her. I'll be the only one that talks about it from here on out. And then now, now she's pled innocent and she's going to use probably her money. Cause I'll bet she has money based on where she lives, you know, to say that, well, there's a health reason behind it, this, that, and nothing. No, in the end of the day, you were irresponsible. Um, you had too many drinks mixed maybe with medicine based on something and you crashed your car. That's irresponsible. I'm not saying you should be kicked off the city council for it. I'm just saying that people should take note of that. And if in fact you're guilty, just say you're guilty and ask for forgiveness. I mean, people make mistakes. I get it. This one. I can't though. County commissioners 
right, are elected. And they go ahead and uh, get the county fair people. And then the county fair people turn around and they're going to have Jane Rabel, the candidate, judge the cinnamon roll contest at the county fair. All right, people, that's just dirty. That's just dirty and doesn't need to happen. We're better than this. But that's what the Dems do. 1,499, 3K. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, Thursday, July 28th, 82, mostly sunny. It is not 78 and sunny like San Diego, California, but we'll take 82 and mostly sunny basically in the middle of summer. I like that. Hey, if you've missed episodes or you ever want to go back, you have a certain guest, maybe about Sign Horse from Liba, you're interested in that topic, um, go to KLIN.com where Drive Time Lincoln. We've got all the podcasts there. You can listen to the shows again or download the KLIN 1400 AM app where you can listen live anywhere in the world and you have access to the podcast. So maybe there was some content. Maybe you want to hear Richard talk about Sartran buses, um, you know. But, you know, Richard and I last time agreed we do need more safety and security and more street officers. So, um, But I think the police are getting that figured out as well as I finally think the mayor and the city council have understood that we need to pay our officers. So that's good. We're on with NEGOP Chairman Eric Underwood. Eric, has it uh, been three weeks yet or two and a half weeks? Yeah, we're right at about that two and a half week mark, yeah. Okay, two and a half week mark. Let's talk transition. Um, Obviously... A lot different going from uh, county party to state party. So I'm get you know hit the ground running, but there's a lot of moving parts involved. You know how has the transition gone? What are some of the first actions or challenges you've had? And then as you get the party, um, as I've heard you say before, get business operations going. Yeah, so the business operations are kind of twofold. We already have constitutional committees that are out there, but then you also have office personnel and and elements of what actually is the day-to-day operations. So I created a transition team of people that were that were close to me that I work well together with so that way we could have coordinating of communication, um, not only to elected officials or media, as well as to the county parties, beyond what I can do. I there's only found out there's only 24 hours in a day. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you, you have to be able to communicate as much as you can as you're starting to build this. And then um, a transition team director, the, these two elements helped me 
really facilitate the the parts of it. Mm-hmm. Um, at the state level, you're going to have a lot of third party vendors that do a lot of the elements out there. So building this structure, even from QuickBooks to ADP for process, payroll processing and all that, we just had to go through getting the admin and getting control of that. Um, so that's like third party because of unique or expert, you know, and that's common knowledge. You outsource. Yeah, and right? size and size of the, of what you're dealing with there. When you're dealing with, uh, you know, an email list that might be 30 plus thousand or donor list and whatever. Um, but honestly, the first part of it was that I want to secure party op, uh party property and, and operations there. And that's kind of everything in the transition that we've done, whether it's computers, understanding what was in the inventory level, everything that we're dealing with was to make sure that we had here what we needed to to do the, the business. The second component of it would be the executive committee. As people know, there were resignations that most of them came from the executive committee. Now, this committee in the past has the opportunity to, by constitution, really uh, facilitate the day-to-day operations, manage a bud- budget, and dictate how the party is going to move forward. You're central committee is the one that does the policies and and stuff so let me go back i always like to explain to the audience the executive committee essentially is like the board but is running mm-hmm. run about 34 people yeah the, the place you know so to speak and you sit on top of that as the chair the guiding light so mm-hmm. to speak and that would be kind of running and overseeing business mm-hmm. but then the central committee Central Committee consisted of, of roughly 180 people, and they're the ones that are going to decide on resolutions, that are going to decide on constitutional amendments. They're about the 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 brand and how that moves forward as well. And it's represented across the state. Across the state. Both of them are, by design, supposed okay. to be that way. Um, in the Executive Committee, there's about seven to eight appointments, people that I can appoint there, but a majority of it, over 50% of it, comes from representation out of your CD1, CD2, CD3, voted in by that body there. They are the ones that should be approving the budgets, the legislative plan, which is dealing with legislation. And that's something that we're going to put a lot of effort into this year, actually developing legislative um, bills and working with the senators hand in hand, creating that connection between the voters and the volunteers that are actively engaged to write good legislation, not that bad legislation was written before, but write good legislation that already has sponsorship behind it Mm -hmm. so that you can eliminate the challenges that a lot of uh, the legislators have that you're trying in a two-month window to get bills passed and and education out to it. It sounds like to me you're trying to be the wind behind the big red wave. <laughs> I'm trying to. There is that that wave is bigger than most people realize. The the thing is that you need to harness it. Right. And in in this state, because of how much the the congressional districts really are defined by the population, we have this opportunity because of the amount of Republicans there. You're going to see in this next election in the November 400,000 votes out there. Mm-hmm. But what we're really seeing is that those are voices that can say something's a little bit different in Nebraska City than it is in Valentine. And here's what's important to us. Agriculture over here, fiscal responsibility over there talking about property taxes we've talked about that all the time there but what that really comes down to is budgeting Mm -hmm. we have enough minds and energy here to make these changes we start to move that energy forward and move it into the party at the the central committee level and the executive committee level and make these changes that really is what the state party the apparatus of what it can be so you're putting that together as we go, and I know that you have a central committee meeting on August 20th in Hastings. Yeah. And will that kind of, once you're done with that, will that kind of solidify um, this transition as far as 
uh, some of the people and parts. You know what I mean? It's kind of like fall camp right now, but yep. then you're going to have the team after that. What a great opportunity this is uh, because we, we had to give a 30-day notice for having the Central Committee meeting, and it worked out to be on August 20th in Hastings, right around Kool-Aid days, where there's already going to be quite a few candidates there anyway, from governors on down to have an engagement to the volunteers. The Executive Committee of 34 can meet early to get some of the basic stuff out of the way, and then we can all walk in that that Kool-Aid parade. There's a free watermelon feed that happens after that, and then the Central Committee can come together and finish the formation of the party. And after that, we have three months of dedicated to candidates, campaigns, and connections of relationships. And if we do this right, I believe you're going to see a and a conservative movement through Nebraska like we've never seen before, not only in those local races, but also at the legislation. If we can get that 35th or 36th vote there, we can put forth a lot of changes that really is what the people of Nebraska are asking for. The uh, getting wrong with NEGOP chairman uh, Eric Underwood after the uh, much talked about um, summer convention, if you will, of the party, the change in leadership, and now getting it going in transition. You also have your first opportunity to go out on the national scale at the 2022 RNC Summer Convention in Chicago. Um, And what's interesting is I've already seen other states that have had similar movements to what just happened in Nebraska. Have you been getting any communications with national folks? And uh, what was it like walking from, say, Lancaster County stuff on a Friday to national level RNC stuff? Oh, got to get to Chicago and got to represent Nebraska. Yeah, it was, you know, the RNC level, we, we seem to feel like this from a, a TV metric that's, we get this, that, that's our optics of it there. But to be honest, it is, it has been a great opportunity to create connections across the United States that have been, uh, you know, I think can be very beneficial to Nebraska. Getting to know Dave Bossy, who's out in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, the RNC membership team is so supportive. Whatever you need, they're going to be able to get you, uh, the flight, the hotel, they'll get everything taken care of there. So we have an opportunity from our, our change of culture here to be a part of what I think is happening also at the RNC. I think they're at that tipping point as well of understanding that there is a conservative movement that really speaks towards values versus uh, uh, just a, a status quo of electing officials and the donations and the money that goes with that. So I think they're in the same position. Um, not only do I get co- phone calls from RNC and I'm sitting at this person's table and they want me to sit at this person's table during dinner time. I've gotten phone calls from Arkansas, from Wyoming, from Louisiana, asking me how that convention took place. And the conversation centers around the values that they were speaking to at their convention and doing it through a process. Everything that we worked towards at the convention was done through the Constitution and using Robert's Rules of Order. And that seems to empower people, give them the confidence, and a majority of them were that close to doing it anyway. But what we've started here in Nebraska is something that's starting to really ripple out across the country. And that I was not expecting. Yeah, the first work day, um, because I started taking calls, and and the audience knows I volunteered some of my time to help on the communication side in this transition. I couldn't believe the calls coming in from Arizona, from counties in uh, Pennsylvania to Idaho. And so it it is a national story amongst conservatives. And so I suspect when you go to Chicago, um, you know, you're going to get a lot of questions. But, you know, in the end of the day... um, it was a movement about people, and I think that that's one of the things that's interesting because I hear a lot of people without kind of the internal battle scars from the outside that see it for what it is, but on the inside, you're kind of always having to defend it. And I, and I want to say this because I hear this a lot, and I'm offended by it. 
uh, as a talk show host, I get it. I put a lot of opinions out there right and and they're strong but at the same time i try to be very fair and and i've often let people of other whatever you know other ideas come on here and talk but i've heard so much in this state oh it's a far-right movement or activists and i'm like what are you talking about this is these are nebraskans you know but i hear that term especially over the last couple weeks Mm -hmm. and that, that bugs me because I honestly don't know anybody I could qualify as far right or an activist. What I see are conservative Republican, modest Nebraskans that want to be represented within the party. It's an easy catchphrase to put it out there, but when you look at the when you look at the people that that met together as we went through the planning process, both here locally and then into into Kearney as we reach out to them, we're talking about. Uh, Modest Nebraskans, people that are are farmers, that are business owners, that are insurance, you name it, every every demographic out there. And if we're really going to put the concept forward of coming together and moving forward there, it had to come from this. I guarantee you this would not have been successful if it was driven by a level of power, influence, status, whatever that was, money. There is no money in it. We've talked about this before. If that was going to be the onus for doing all this, it would never have been successful. The the upswell happened because people saw that a cultural change was already happening at their local parties. They wanted to see that at the state level. They wanted it emulated there. And if that that was the case, they believe that this could have a statewide impact for the good of Nebraska. Yeah. Um, future vision, you know, because I've heard a lot of different things, especially over the last few weeks, people calling in, confused, misinformation, if you will. Um, then again, I've been paying attention just as a news guy and helping in transition. You know, you've clearly said you're behind the primary winners. You know, that doesn't change just because there's leadership change. So I, I want you to reaffirm things you've said so that people who I guess are very, I don't know, they're just kind of stranged out by this dynamic when in fact I'm like, well, it's a vote of the people. Like that's just what happens in our system. Yeah. The the term comes up a lot of, well, well perception is reality. Mm-hmm. And I've, you know, I've tried to change that phrase that per- perception is really a reflection of where your heart or your mind is at. I'm never going to get everybody to believe that this isn't a, a right wing thing or that it wasn't a, a herpster or Trump or something like that. People it's just, are going to believe what they're going to believe. They are. So when you look at the primary winners that came out of it there, I, I get it. There's a lot of question. There's a lot of unsettledness that comes from that, whatever it is, whether it's because your your team didn't win mm-hmm. or because you wanted to see a result differently at a local race or you just didn't like the way it happened. And then you start going backwards in time. You could say that through decades of stuff, even though this was a pretty most, pretty most contentious uh, uh, primary that has occurred. If we don't move forward... And if we don't look at the opportunity that's in front of us here as what is best for Nebraska and the conservative movement there, then we can sit and spin all we want on that primary election. So, yes, the primary winners, the individuals that have come out of that primary that are in a position to become our next governor, our secretary of state, our auditor, uh, the school board education, all those individuals we have to support. 
Locally, I put a lot of time into connecting to Mike Flood before he became the special election uh, uh, winner, before he became the congressman out of the primary there, because I build relationships. That's what's important to me. All the governors I put effort into building uh, connections with. And recently, talking with, with uh, Governor-elect Pillen there in text messages. The next Nebraska governor. The next Let me the, just say it. He's going to be it. Yeah. And in that text message there, there was a genuineness that I was able to to get out of that. And I think that's part of the opportunity that's going to present itself. I think there's an opportunity that that Jim is going to be able to connect with. He already has supporters, but he's going to be presented in front of those. And that's part of the operate the operations that the party needs to do is provide an opportunity that he can connect and give his vision yeah. to move the party forward and to see let him become not just UNL Regent Jim Pillen but the next governor of Nebraska. And if he's given that opportunity, I think that more and more people will feel whatever wounds that are there from the primary, they're going to be able to move forward with them. I can't force that. Sure. And, and I've seen a lot of these candidates come through here, some of them I know personally on the outside. And, and I'll say this, not everything I saw on TV or anything was said encapsulates how I know Charles Herbster. Or how I know Jim Pillen. And I'll actually tell you certainly Jim Pillen because I kind of used to laugh at a time with some of the commercials. And I'd be like, geez, that's not representative of exactly who the guy is. I mean, both of those men, as well as Lindstrom, kind of the top three candidates, they're well represented, representative of Nebraskans mm-hmm. and conservative Nebraskans. And so I think for people, you have to, you have to get out of that trap mm-hmm. that is so easy. And you have to go back to values and what do you support? And well, that's that relational is. politics. Right. Lindstrom, Thibodeau, um, Herbster, Pillen would be all relational politics with representing some sort of Republican here. Mm-hmm. But when they come back down to their platform planks, I bet you 80% of it all aligns. Right. Exactly. And and you know what? Everybody's going to get out there. And what you should do if you're a Republican is you vote Republican. Right. That's that's what you do. Um, and as you said, part of your job now is to help all of Nebraska understand the candidates and get behind them. And, and you said multiple times you will. Um, one of the things I know that's out there as well is people have internally in Nebraska been like, oh, the, the Constitution's going to be radically changed or this, that and another thing. What would you say are some tweaks or interests that Nebraskans felt the Republican Party wasn't paying attention to as much as they would like them to pay attention to. Well, when we look at Nebraska, we have what we call the revised statutes there, and we have the opportunity to already take the revised statutes that are out there, like the education one, 79-724. This talks about Americanism and patriotism. We don't have to rewrite this. We have to execute it. Mm. It's unfunded mandates that are out there in a lot of situations, but this education platform that's on our revised statutes indicate how the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and and flag folding and understanding the Pledge of Allegiance, these are what is important to the education of our future, the children. So let's start focusing on them. Let's start focusing on that. From the party, we have the opportunity to create resolutions that are, are indicating our belief structure, a platform, the Constitution, and that needs to be done through the Central Committee. I'm not going to just ambiguously start to pick out things and start fighting against any one of these individuals there. That's not my place. I facilitate the actions of the party, a collective body. And so anybody that, tech, you know what we should do next, you know what you should do next, I'm not going to do that. That's not my job. That's not what we fought against. We fought for the fact that a collective could come together. And if the collective wants to to talk about uh, concealed carry, mm-hmm. 
they'll bring that forth with sponsorship of over two-thirds vote of the Central Committee, and same with uh, pro-life and the way to move that forward, a special session, then let's prepare for that. And if it's not going to happen in a special session, then let's go and get 36 votes in this next election there, and a governor that's not going to filibuster that, that's not, not going mm-hmm. to fight that, and let's make that happen, yeah. because then you get the end result. Not just the winner of your campaign. You get the end result that you want. You want pro-life legislation. I'm glad you've come on because, see, I think the more you're – and, again, you're busy in transition, but I think the more you're able to explain it, even Republicans will realize there's so much in alignment here. um, But it's almost as some – as you've heard me in different meetings talk because I get animated. We're in violent agreement. Mm. You know, that's that's what I – see and sense and again i think of it as tweaks in offense um you know election integrity is always a hot button issue but it's like folks who doesn't want election integrity and people start talking about names and it's like i know exactly what this state and bob evnan did for election integrity right he did a lot of things and he's going to continue to and that's why he's going to be our next secretary of state you know what i mean 1499 klin you're getting the 411 from dtl with Commander Jack Riggins on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, we're finishing up with the NEGOP chairman, Eric Underwood, in his transition. I know he has a lot of hard work to do, so just being able to get all your time, we appreciate it. You know, I think the more, Thanks, especially conservatives here, the more they start to understand. But give me a little bit about the future, future vision, things you're looking forward to. Well, I think there's still a few elected officials that I want to make sure I spend some time with because there are visions out there for not only their jobs. Some of them are specific jobs, treasurer. Um, but, you know, the federal entities that are out there. Um, tomorrow I've got a meeting with Deb Fisher to kind of understand what, what her plan is. Not election plan, but just to know what she's able to, to do in her role and make sure that that relationship's built. Ideally, I'd love to continue to uh, connect with as many elected officials as possible, and that's a component of it. The transition team here is going to be finishing up their work as we we fully form the executive committee and the central committee and transitioning literally into day-to-day operations. It's going to be twofold. We are going to give the county the resources by building those relationships. I'm going to have a statewide county coordinator. That person will be connecting county chairs and all the, the committee man, committee woman, all those together so that they have the, they are empowered with the resources to do more to connect to voters and volunteers. And an ex- executive director that also helps facilitate the, the vast amount of direct mail and fundraising efforts, both national, federal, state. We will fulfill the two components that keeps this machine rolling and it actually brings solutions to the conservative desire. From here on out, the relationships that will happen with the governor and obviously Congressman Flood, um, I, I believe Jim Pillen's going to be able to do work through the party and with these legislation that we're going to win. And that's the goal. In November, we're going to elect as many conservative Republicans to move forth conservative values. That's what Governor Ricketts has always said. Conservative values and conservative leadership matters. There you go. Conservative leadership matters. I agree. DTL certified, 1499.3 KLIN.